Now, do you remember that ad for Pantene with Rachel Hunter saying it won't happen overnight, but it will happen? She clearly could have been a central banker, couldn't she? Because they are saying, yes, rates will come down, but when? Well, we're still leaving you guessing on that. We know Europe is still very weak. Japan seems to be rectifying its inflation problem. So what about ours? We get inflation numbers this week. And New Zealand, with the RBNZ meeting, uh, there's an outside chance that they'll actually lift rates. Nobody's expecting it to come down at all there for a while. It's certainly not happening overnight there. It's Monday, the 26th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yeah, it was the early 90s that Rachel Hunter had. So uh, if you don't remember it, that might be why. Uh, but look, quite a week last week, you'll remember last week, equities were all over the place. Did you notice? Uh, despite the sharp falls in the middle of the week and then another 0.3% drop on Friday, the Nasdaq still finished the week 1.4% higher than it was at the end of the week before. Uh, it dipped back down below 16,000 just on Friday. Over the week, which was a shortened week, of course, in the US, the S&P climbed 1.7%. It seems stuck above 5,000 for now, though. The Dow up 1.3% last week. Uh, but actually, prices rose more on the Euro stocks 50, up 2.2% last week. The ASX 200, which had a good day on Friday, actually fell. over the week last week. And the US dollar fell a third of 1% last week. The Aussie dollar rose half a percent. The euro up 0.4%. And bond yields, well, they fell a fair chunk on Friday, down seven basis points for 10-year treasuries. The same for 10-year gilt yields, down eight for 10-year bunds in Germany. But Aussie yields pushing up four basis points on Friday to 4.19%, but back down to 4.15% on futures now. So not seeing the move that we've been seeing in the US and Europe. And a big fall in oil on Friday. Brent down 2.5% to 81.60 a barrel. WTI down 2.7%. That's a bit more than the fall that they saw over the entire week because there's been a couple of peaks and troughs in oil last week. Peaks and troughs, that's what it's all about on the morning call lately, isn't it? So is it going to be a a week of peaks or a week of troughs or another week of both? Let's uh, let's see with NAB's Rodrigo Catrill in Sydney. Uh, I didn't mention Rodrigo. Uh, Chinese equities last week, which, I mean, they were sort of the standout, weren't they? But I guess, I mean, they, they, there's a bit of latent demand because, of course, we sort of had two weeks trading in one week because the week before uh, was a week-long holiday. So if we look at that week and the week that followed, the CSI 300 is up 3.7%. So is that hopes of recovery? Is it AI or is it both of those things? <laughs> uh, morning, Phil. Uh- well, certainly in terms of the U.S. equity market, the AI mania is still playing out and um, the market is still really trying to assess to what extent um, uh, these gains can extend. Yeah. But, but when it comes to China, I think that the recovery in the Chinese equities has a lot to do with all these new initiatives that um, the government has introduced, as well as restrictions for short selling. Um, and that is certainly trying to, you know, lift the market from from a low base. We got to remember that the Chinese equity market has been, you know, in 2023 recorded its third consecutive um, year of decline. If you were invested in China in 2021, you would have been 40 percent down. So, it is a recovery from a very low base. Um, but certainly, in terms of uh, the extent of the recovery, it's notable that the Chinese equity market is now recorded its ninth consecutive gain. So, so that's encouraging. Mm. Uh, but certainly, a, a fair bit more to go if, if you want to 
or if you believe there's something there in terms of a more permanent recovery. And the fall in yields that we saw just about everywhere on Friday. So 10-year treasuries, well, they've been rising pretty much through all of February, but Friday was a real dip down, wasn't it? So what is driving this fall in yields at 10 and last week? Is it central bank talk? I mean, we have had inflation surprises as well, of course, and other data which is sort of suggesting things might be a bit slower. So what was, in particular, what was driving things down on Friday? Well, um, I suppose it's important to note that particularly when you look at the 10-year Treasury yield, they were making, you know, new year-to-day highs at the, uh, halfway through the week. So there has been a bit of a pullback. Um, and also there was reports that there quite a lot of buying uh, uh, from funds at the end of the, at the, end of the week. Um, so maybe positioning ahead of um, this week. Um, so... Um, I don't think there's, there's a lot to read in there, um, um, but certainly we did have some central bank speakers, particularly we had Fred Williams uh, rate rating that view that um, he thinks there's a good chance we uh, or that the Fed will look to ease this year. Um, but much will depend on the data. Um, and, and in particular, um, he wants to see um, you know more data to convince him that you can get the inflation down to 2% on a long run goal uh, or a more sustained basis. And I think that that is an, an interesting debate, particularly when you look at central banks. It's not just this objective of getting to 2%, uh, but having that confidence that you can stay around that level for an extended period of time. So this year is not a big um, call, is it? I mean, the markets are saying, they've got a question mark over whether it's going to happen at June, and if not, the one after. This year, uh, that's not a, a resounding commitment, is it, from John Williams? No, it isn't. And, and if you remember, the dots are already telling mm. us that they sort of, the media is expecting um, three cuts this year. Um, but on that, w- uh, one of the things that Fred Williams said, which um, probably didn't get as much uh, noticed by, by the media, was he did acknowledge that there's a chance um, uh, that the neutral rate in the US could be rising. Um, he talked mm. about the Laubach model and, and, and that he pointed out that in the in the in the research done, um, uh, higher fiscal deficits, uh, structurally higher deficits, uh, have the potential to push neutral higher, um, and it's and he's now open to the idea that this neutral rate could be high in the U.S. Now I think that's important because um, in terms of the debates for you know the easing in in, in in the U.S., I think like you say everybody's expecting it to happen, but more importantly for markets will be. Uh, how much do they cut? And if you believe in the soft landing, then you need to get to neutral. Yeah, do we even know what neutral rate was before? I mean, we've been below. Well, for some- you, you got an mm. idea. You got an idea. There's probably around 3%, mm. a little bit higher, a little bit lower. But if you feel or you, if you think there's going to be higher, then that's important because um, uh, then even if you get to neutral, then you need to expect that there will be less easing than that 250 basis points that could be if you think it's 3%. Mm. Um, and obviously, that's important for the currency and, and how much movement you expect in 10-year treasury yields as well. Yeah. All right. So higher interest rates are here for good, well, for the foreseeable future till the next uh, big downturn, unless, of course, they go below the neutral rate to try and uh, rectify overshooting. I mean, you know, <laughs> it becomes a bit academic, well, yeah, doesn't so it? Unless you thought the economy, well, if the economy was slowing down significantly, mm. then, then you have to take the cash rate below, below yep. neutral. But if you think that you're achieving a soft landing, mm. 
then neutrals should be the target. Right. Well, I yeah. tell you, it won't be in Germany, will it? Uh, <laughs> because Q4, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, I mean, it wasn't a surprise. The economy shrank. This was the final read, so it didn't really change, did it? Minus 0.3% quarter on quarter. It shrank by 0.2% year on year. We had the IFO uh, business climate, uh, which rose a tiny, tiny bit. Uh, which, but that was also expected, uh, and um, the expectations rose as well marginally from eighty three point five to eighty four point one. But they were eighty four point one back in December, so they've dipped, and now they've gone down. Yeah. But these are all numbers below one hundred, so it's all bad, basically. Yes, um, you know, I'll, I, the idea that it bounced is, is probably a very generous statement. I think it's just moved a little bit at the bottom. Uh, and the picture hasn't really changed in terms of um, a very subdued activity. Um, and we've got to remember that the PMIs were not very good either. So it does paint to the picture, which is consistent with what the Bundesbank is saying, that the headwinds that the economy faced at the end of the year are still here uh, at the start of the new year. So another flat to very slow or negative print, a low negative print in Q1 for the German economy should be the base case. So how do you get inflation with a shrinking economy, and in the, to which the answer would surely be, well, you can't really, can you? In which case, why wouldn't the ECB be talking about moving faster? But we had uh, Christine Lagarde on Friday saying, you know, the latest wage that data was encouraging, but she wants more evidence that the disinflation process that we are observing, this is her quote, uh, will be sustainable. So, uh, well, you know, you've got an economy which is uh, shrinking 0.2% in a year. Surely that shows it's going to be very hard for prices to bounce back, isn't it? It is, um, but um, not only uh, Christine Lagarde, but other central bank as, as ECB speakers have reiterated the importance of, of the wage data. Um, they want to see lower wages growth in, 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 in Europe. Um, some of them, uh, like Lagarde, pointed that maybe we have enough information by the end of Q1 or the beginning of Q2, whereas others believe that no, you'll have to wait till June. Uh, when you get the account data uh, from from the GDP reading, so there, there there's a bit of a debate there in terms of whether you will have enough information for the April meeting or whether they they will still need to wait for more data um, to be convinced uh, that inflation can stay or head towards two percent and stay around there uh, for an extended period of time. So I think that that's debate that's the the data to watch really uh, between now and then for for the ECB. Yeah, well, it's dangerous ground, isn't it? The, the longer they wait, I mean, we're talking about overshoots. Could they do that? Anyway, uh, Japan, their CPI today, the headline rate last time was 2.6%. I mean, they uh, February last year, it was up to 4.2%. But we're seeing this continual downward trend without the uh, Bank of Japan really doing anything. So are they just going to carry on doing nothing, carry on with negative rates and look at the problem rectify Well, it's, it's really interesting because in terms of the Japanese data flow, um, it hasn't been very good. We've seen, you know, obviously technical recession and activity readings for the start of the year have also been very subdued. And and the process of uh, inflation declining is, is now kind of, they're at risk of undershooting or going through the target and and, and continue to decline beyond that. So um, you mentioned that the core reading, um, it was declined to 2.6, but it's expected to get to 1.9 um, um, and uh, in January. Um, and if that's the case, then um, the, the outlook and forecast that the, the, the Bank of Japan has could 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 become challenged in that sense. And, and actually, Governor 
Ueda made that point that he said, yep, we expect to move away from negative interest rates if our inflation forecasts are realized. Uh, and at the moment, if the, the number or the expected number for uh, inflation for the core reading is realized, then there's a risk that maybe inflation is actually too low in Japan. So to, to us uh, at this stage, um, you know, um, this idea that maybe the Bank of Japan moves in March or April seems to be a little bit too early for us. Um, we have to wait and see for that wage data uh, and the Rengo negotiations to deliver higher wages for the Bank of Japan to become a bit more confident. So we still think that a policy shift is more likely around July this year rather than earlier. Right. Well, uh, it's quiet today, isn't it? We got a two-year Treasury auction in the United States early tomorrow morning. Uh, I think they got a, a yield of, what, 4.36 last time, which was a bit up on the auction in late January, but you know we've seen yields rising. So it'll be interesting to see what that does. But it's a big week for Australia and New Zealand. So CPI for Australia, uh, the monthly uh, number, plus retail sales for January as well. And the RBNZ meet. Uh, so it was a strong week last week for the Kiwi dollar, wasn't it? 1.2% up over the, over the week when we saw you know the US dollar falling by only a third. Uh, bond yields moving much higher as well in New Zealand on Friday. So what can we make from all of that? Um, well, I think that for the Australian CPI, of course, it is important, but the, the caveat is that the, the first month of the quarter is very much goods heavy, um, and mm. um, it carries the risk of, of sending the wrong signal in, in terms of the inflationary trend in, in Australia. So we're very wary of that, um, uh, saying that, you know, that the market still pays a lot of attention to the numbers, so maybe we expect a little bit of volatility around that. Uh, and for that being said, um, there is a not insignificant mi minority expecting a hike there. So I, I yeah. think that the market will be very wary. And as you said, because of all those commentary coming ahead of the meeting, we've seen the, the Kiwi perform really, really well this week or the past week. Um, so again, um, um, probably expect some volatility around that. Our sense is that given the weakness in economic activity, and the decline that we've seen in those inflation readings, um, our colleagues and uh, BNC still leaning towards this idea of the, the bank standing pat. Um, and if that's the case, we probably will see a little bit of movement uh, in the currency as well. And, and again, at the end of the week as well, the question is what's going to happen in the US? Because there is a chance, although, you know, we've heard this before, uh, that there could be a government shutdown if they, you know, if they don't agree their budget. Yeah. So we have this Super Friday where, you know, not only we have that core PC in the US, uh, we also have the PMIs in China, which would be important, and European flash CPI. Uh, and as you mentioned, there's also the political story uh, where the prospects of a government shutdown could be there if Democrats and Republicans cannot mm. find a compromise. So, yeah, it will be a, a fiery end to the week, potentially. <laughs> we love it that way. <laughs> All right. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you next time. Cheers, Phil. It won't happen overnight, but it might happen on Friday, whatever it is. Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.